0: You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, well, good morning once again, and Church. Hey, can you believe it's August 15th already? Gosh, where is the summer going, right? No, anybody? Right? Anyways, there's a tree in front of my front yard, and it's turning colors already. I'm like, what? I just want a little bit more summer. I don't know why I started that way. But anyways, hey, good morning. <laughs> and if you're new here, my name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor. A lot of, I got a lot of blank stares. So let's just move on to the message here. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. All right. My name is Mark. I'm the lead pastor here. Welcome to Radiant Church. So glad you're here. If it's your first time, man, uh, big welcome to you. We're, we're super excited to have you worship in this house with us. If there's anything that we can do to serve you, to bless you, please let us know. Well, today we are in part number eight of our message series, Kingdom Manifesto. And this has been a message series on the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are found in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew is the first of gospel there. And the Beatitudes are actually sort of the introduction to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If you want um, to, to read one of the most challenging sermons of Jesus, I just challenge you to open up your Bibles to Matthew 5. Through seven, and read that tonight, read that this evening, and you will find some of the most profound and counterculture words and challenging words, really, uh, from the mouth of Jesus. And these Beatitudes, what they are, is they are eight character traits that identify true followers of Jesus Christ. And I know I sound like a broken record because I say it every week, but I'll say it again. We discover again that these Beatitudes are counterculture. And, counter-intuitive. and the reason for that is because this, Jesus has an entirely different vision for blessing than we do, right? We think blessing looks one way, and Jesus flips that upside down, and he says, Now, nah, really, blessing actually looks like this. And then he goes into a Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, so forth and so on. We'll, we'll read all of those this morning, actually we're going to camp out on the last, verse, uh, the last few verses, where we will see our last beatitude for this series. So if you have a Bible with you or a smartphone, I'd love for you to join me. If you don't, make sure uh, you can follow me along, and the words will be behind me. Matthew chapter five, here's what the word of the Lord says. Matthew, he was a tax collector. He was a Gentile. He was writing this, or, or Jewish, I'm sorry, writing this, and here's what he writes. He says, "Now, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That was week number one of our series. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I love that one, by the way. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's hard to make peace in a world full of hate and violence, but this is what Jesus says. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Verse number 10, here is our beatitude for today. Blessed are those who are persecuted and because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and then he continues to elaborate on this. Blessed are you, all of us, disciples then and there and here now, blessed are you when when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven." For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus says that we're blessed when we are persecuted. What is going on here in this text? Why would that be a blessing? That sounds absolutely backwards from what most of us would think a blessing is. Let's take a moment. Let's pray before we get into the rest of the message. Um, Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for today, and we thank you for your presence with us. And we thank you for the benediction that we prayed earlier, God, that may your favor rest upon us, and uh, may your presence be on us, God. May uh, you guide us and lead us today, Lord, and we submit to all that you have and all that you say in your word. God, would you give us ears to hear what the Spirit might say? Um, Lord, would you open up these Words that Jesus has just proclaimed. And would you help us to not just hear them as words, but as life? God, you said that your word is full of life and the Spirit. And so, God, uh, by your Spirit, open up deaf ears, unlock deaf ears, and open up uh, blind eyes. And God, would you soften hardened hearts? My guess is that a room this size, there's somebody in here who has a hard heart, but soften it so they truly could hear from you this morning. Lord, we pray that you might challenge us, convict us, God, change us, and that when we leave uh, the doors behind us, God, that we might be a changed people. We thank you for it. We receive everything you have for us, God, in Jesus' name, amen. In the 16th century, there was an English preacher by the name of John Fox, and he created a book that would uh, that would become known as the second most important book in history next to the Bible. That book would be called Fox's Book of Martyrs. You may have heard of this book before. It's a compilation of the stories of Christians in the early church, Who gave their life for the gospel? Who were killed? Who were martyred? In the year 1571, there was a a church council, or they call it a a convocation. It's kind of the fancy name for that. They met and they decreed that the that Fox's Book of Martyrs would actually listen to this in the in 1571 would be chained right next to the Bible. Isn't that crazy? in select churches, in cathedrals, and in religious buildings all over. For why? For what reason, anyways? Well, they wanted believers, people of God, to know and to remember that when they walked into the house of the Lord, they, there they would see a Bible upon entrance and the Fox, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and that they would remember Jesus' words, That if any man or woman would come after me, he would or should deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Those words were being lived out by Christians every single day all over the world. You see, here's the reality that for 2,000 years, Christians have triumphantly overcome stonings. They've triumphantly, triumphantly overcome beatings, burnings, wild beasts, Roman calceums, and all sorts of forms of evil to proclaim the one true name, Jesus Christ. You see, this idea of, or these examples of believers giving their lives to follow after Jesus sheds a whole new light on what it means to be a disciple or what it means to answer the call of God. Indeed, our heritage as Christians is a heritage. You may not know this, but it's a a heritage of suffering and persecution. You see, we may not have yet experienced such atrocities, but even so, we should never take these stories lightly. And we should never forget the men and women who made the sacrifice, this, this, the ultimate sacrifice, because after all, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're family members to us, and it matters what they went through. Their stories matter. I was researching online, and I, and I discovered this organization by the name of Open Doors USA and I don't know if any of you heard of it I hadn't heard of it before to be honest with you but Open Doors USA is a non-profit organization and they track the persecuted church all around the world and they list numbers on their website that are staggering in fact um here's what I discovered from their website. Listen to this you guys. In 2020, remember 2020? Yeah, I know we wanted to all forget it, right? But in 2020 alone on average, 8 Christians a day were killed for their faith. 8 Christians a day were killed for This was just last year by the way. I don't want any of us to think, oh, yeah, that's an ancient history. Yeah, I heard about that in the first century. I read that in history class. One of my professors in, you know, in, in college told me about that from you know, hundreds of years ago. No, no, no. This is last year. Eight Christians a day were killed for their faith. And on top of that, every single month, on average, 309 Christians were unjustly imprisoned for their faith. It means they went to prison for their faith. Think about that. Think about that if you had to go to prison for your faith. In fact, on their website, they list the top ten most dangerous places in the world for Christians to live. USA wasn't on there, just so you know. But I'm gonna give you three of them the top three, because we don't have time for 10. But I'm going to give you just an idea of what our brothers and sisters are facing. And I hope it's a a bit of um, just a sobering reality, a gut check of what's taking place with our brothers and our sisters all around the world. And at the end of service, we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters all around the world together, okay? We're going to do that, just so you know. Number one most dangerous place for Christians to live is North Korea north korea right in fact north korea has been number one for the last 19 years consecutive okay north korea did you know that in north korea i discovered this that adult christians won't even tell their children that they are christians because they're afraid that their kids will leak something out, and they'll be discovered to be Christians. Can you imagine that? I mean, think about this. Think about this, parents. If you have little ones at home, you can't even tell your kids that you follow Jesus. Think about the, 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 the Bible stories, you know what I mean, that we read to our kids at night sometimes, and maybe that you, remember your kids are grown up, but you used to read them when they were kids. Nope, you're not doing that. You're not telling them that you're a Christian because you're afraid. In fact, adult believers in North Korea, they wait until their children are teenagers to tell them that they follow Christ. Because if they're discovered, if it's found out that they are Christians, they can be arrested, they can be imprisoned, um, they can be sent to labor camps, they can be beaten or killed on the spot. Right on the spot. And guess what? The punishment is not just for them, but the punishment is for their families to the fourth generation. We just sang this song about blessing, right? May his favor rest upon his children, their children, generation, generation after generation. That's a blessing from God. That's a blessing that follows our family. But this is a curse, isn't it? Not only will you be killed, or beaten or sent to a concentration camp or a labor camp, but then the family that comes after you have to bear that burden. They may be they may be killed as well. Can you imagine what that must feel like as a as a Christian in North Korea? Second most dangerous place in the world is Afghanistan. This is a place where Christianity only exists in secret. Check this out. I discovered this that, that Afghanistan is in an Islamic state by constitution. It's a country that does not permit any faith other than Islam to exist. That means that it's illegal to convert someone to another religion except for Islam, okay? To convert to a faith outside of Islam is equivalent to treason because it's seen as a betrayal to family, to tribe, and to country, those who are discovered to be Christians, check this out, are sent to mental hospitals, because they think that no one who has sanity would ever depart from the Islamic faith. Let that rest on you for a moment. What about this? The third most dangerous place in the world for Christians to live is Somalia. Somalia. I think the most of us know about Somalia is Black Hawk Down, I think it is, right? I think, anyways. Somalia is a place where, where Christians are hunted for their faith. Listen to this 99% of Somalia's, Somali citizens are Muslims. 99%. Any minority religious groups are heavily persecuted. For their, There's an uh, extremist group known as Al-Shabaab. I I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But listen to this. Al-Shabaab, they have said it. Repeatedly, they have expressed the desire to eradicate Christians from the country. Total eradication. But check this out. Despite the risk and the persecution in Somalia, the church is growing there. And some Christians are becoming, or some Somalians are becoming Christians miraculously. In other words, they're having visions of Jesus. They're dreaming about Jesus, and Jesus comes to them in their dreams and tells them that he's the Messiah, and then then God sends another person to tell them the gospel, and they're saved. Isn't that amazing? In fact, in Iran, did you know that Iran is another, that that makes the top ten list, I believe. Iran is... is the fastest-growing church in the world. They have no buildings. They have no money. Most of it's led by women. And yet, hundreds upon thousands of Muslims are coming to know Jesus Christ. Is that not amazing, right? And some of the most persecuted areas in the world. So does that mean that persecution, this idea that Jesus talks about... Persecution, does it always mean that I'm going to lose my life for, for the faith? No, it doesn't actually mean that. Let's go back to verses number 11 and 12, and let's just see what Jesus says once again. Let's examine his words. Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and what? Falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, because of Jesus. And Jesus says this, rejoice and be glad. I don't know if i would be glad about that, but Jesus tells us to be glad about it. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, right? So I think this idea of persecution and what Jesus says, you can see these verses here, um, it's this idea, it's not just being killed for your faith, but it's this idea of being hated, of being spoken ill of, and when all kinds of evil are said against you because of your faith, okay? Here's the definition of persecution. Here's one definition. At its core, persecution is active opposition to the people of God because of their commitment to Christ. That's the one definition of persecution. And and Jesus says, listen, in the same way that the prophets were persecuted or hated, in the same way that will happen to you. Now, if you open up your Bibles sometime and you just read the Old Testament prophets, you will quickly discover they were not popular, okay? Like, they weren't being invited to all the parties, they didn't have a whole lot of friends. I was I'm reading Ezekiel a couple of weeks ago, and just the first few chapters of Ezekiel, God gives this mission to Ezekiel, and he says, I just want you to know they are a stiff-necked, rebellious people, and they're not going to listen to you. Well, that's cool. That's, thanks for that, God. That's awesome. It's like, take it, it's, like, it's like saying to me, Pastor Marco, I'm going to send you to Bay City and it's going to be a hard-hearted, religious, fundamentalist, uh, stiff-necked people, but there's going to be a small remnant who are going to love me and follow me, but man, it's going to be hard soil. Well, that sounds fantastic. Okay, God, I guess I'll do it, right? Well, that's the message of the prophets, right? So yes, persecution can mean that you're killed for your faith, but per- persecution can also mean that what? You're hated. You're hated you're hated. Listen to this. Jesus says this in John 15, um, 18 through 21. He's speaking to his disciples. He says, if the world hates you, by the way, it's underlined there, if the world hates you, just keep in mind, it hated me first. Jesus is saying, listen, I just, (laughs) just let you know, I was hated too. If you belong to the world, that's us, that's his disciples then and there, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world and that is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way, not because of you. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. And Jesus is like this sobering reminder. He says, hey, I just want you to know, hey guys, if they hate you, uh, well, they hated me first, just so you know. I they, they, they did that to me first. And if they persecute you, if they um, treat you ill, you know, uh, ill. If, if, if they hate you, if they say bad things about you, oh, well, I want to just remind you, yeah, they did it to me too, and they persecuted me. And the reason that they're doing this is because they, they don't know uh, the one God has sent. They don't know Jesus. Jesus is, is, is reminding us of what is to come. Did you know this? In fact, Timothy, or I'm sorry, um, Paul in the New Testament, one of the letters, this is Second uh, Timothy, Paul uh, tells or writes to Timothy, and notice what Paul writes. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be Persecuted. You know what I think when I read that verse? Here's what I think, and this is just me. I don't know if you do this, but this is what I do. I think there's everyone? Eh, look, ev- no, eh, Paul, everyone? No, come on, come on, come on. Paul, really? Paul, everyone? Are you, you, are you sure? And the Greek word means Everyone. <laughs> everyone. What Paul is doing is is Paul is essentially saying this. Paul sees that there is such a tension, that there is such a divide. There's such a difference between the ways of uh, the Christian and the way that he or she lives their life and the ways of the world and the way that they live their lives. There's such a divide that at some point there's going to be opposition. At some point there's going to be a conflict. It just has to happen because we're so different. In fact, a biblical worldview and a secular worldview essentially have nothing in common. A biblical worldview believes in the supernatural, right? A worldly, a secular worldview does not believe in the supernatural. It only believes in what they can see and feel and touch with their own hands and, and what they see right in front of them. There's essentially nothing in common with those two worldviews. At some point, Paul says, there's going to be conflict. You're going to be hated. And these words about Jesus, about persecution, listen, they're relevant um, for us today, not just because we know about millions of Christians that are being persecuted all over the world, but they're also important for all of us today. Why? Because that means for all of us, to some degree or another, if we're serious, and that's, I think that's, the, that's the, the phrase of the clause, if we're serious about putting God first in where, well, let's see, about putting him first in our work, in our home, in our school, in our leisure, we too will face some type of opposition sooner or later, okay? It's important for us to realize this. And so here's what I want to do. Um, We've looked at some of these verses. Why does this matter, Pastor Marco? I want to just give you three things that, uh, three, three reasons why this is important for us to know today in 2021. And here's the first thing I want to mention to all of you today. Number one, we shouldn't be surprised when suffering for our faith takes place, okay? We shouldn't be surprised or shocked when suffering takes place for our faith. Notice what Peter writes. Peter writes, to disciples in Asia Minor, they were experiencing persecution. He says, This, dear friends, do not be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fire ordeal that has come on you to test you, to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Peter's like, Don't think it's something strange or odd. That No, it's going to happen. But rejoice, same words as Jesus, rejoice in as much as you participate. That word is underlined, I'll get there in a moment, in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Again, Peter tells believers, don't be surprised, don't don't be shocked, it's going to happen. And that word, participate, if you could go back one verse, if you wouldn't mind, That word participate is actually the word um, koinos, and that word is where we get the word koinonia. Now, a lot of Christians know the word koinonia because it's the word that we use for fellowship, right? Um, Fellowship is one aspect of that word, but really koinonia, a better definition of koinonia is this. It's sharing. It's having things in common, all right? Sharing or having things in common. That's the word that is used of the apostles in the New Testament in the book of Acts. They had koinonia. What does that mean? It means they had all things in common. They shared belongings. They, they passed them to one another. What was mine was, was yours. What was yours is mine kind of thing. That's, that's what they, they participated in. And so what Peter is saying here is he's saying that when you participate in persecution or suffering, On behalf of Jesus, he says, I want you to know that you have that in common. You share that with Jesus. Does that make sense? You and Jesus have something in common. That's what he's trying to say here. You share in the same sufferings and the persecutions of Christ. The second thing I want to highlight for you this morning is this, is that we should see suffering or persecution as a test of our discipleship. I know we don't like to hear that. But that's what Peter said, remember? He says, don't be surprised if these, this fiery ordeal has come upon you to test you. Well, Jesus actually refers to this as well when Jesus, is, when Jesus talks about uh, the, the parable of the sower. Some of you remember the parable of the sower. It's a, it's a story about um, this this person who goes out and he sows seed on different land. You remember this? And the different land represents um, different types of human hearts or or the conditions of the human heart. There's four different types, essentially, is what Jesus is talking about. And the seed is the word of God. And so what Jesus is saying is that the sower or the preacher goes out and he sows seed. I'm, I'm sowing seed right now. Some of you are going to receive this word and some of you it's not going to make any difference. That's just the way it works. I, I wish it was different, but that's what what Jesus' word says. And the idea is, is that some people, it'll fall on their heart and they'll receive it, but then they're going to fall away. Here, let me show you this. This is Jesus. He says this, Mark 4, 16 and 17. He says, others like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Well, that's good, right? That's, we all want that. Every preacher wants that. But since they have no root, oh, that's, that's not good here, they last only a short time. You know, it's like the people I see that come to church and they're like gung-ho for Jesus, like, man, I'm here, Pastor Marco, you can bury me in the parking lot. Me and my family love it. And then it's like, I don't see him for nine months. It's like, what happened? Like, what, like, what, ha- dude, what happened? Oh, we've just been so busy. Yeah, we're just busy, man. We just got stuff going on. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Am I ever gonna see you again? I don't know. We're so busy, man. We're just so busy, and we just got good. I don't know. That's cool, man. That's cool. Like what, like what? What happened? Like you were like, yeah, like I'm in for Jesus. Like yeah, WWJD? I got the bracelet. Like yeah. <laughs> right, how great is our God? I got the worship music on. I don't see him for nine months. It's like what? That happens like all the time. I wish it wasn't so, but it happens all the time, right? Jesus says, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Isn't that sad? Jesus tells us that a true disciple must be able to endure persecution. All right. Number three. Enduring persecution is one way we follow in Jesus' footsteps. Okay, so there's this verse in, in um, 1 John chapter 2, we won't go there, but there's a verse there where John says that whoever wants to, what does it say here? Whoever, wants, whoever, claims, to, whoever claims to live in him or live in Jesus should also live as Jesus lived, which is very convicting, by the way. <laughs> should also live as Jesus lived. That's what he says there. But no, Peter says the same thing when he writes again, to these followers, believers in Asia Minor, Peter writes this. He says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leading or leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Right? Uh, Jesus suffered as an example for us, but also so that, so that what? So that we would follow in his footsteps. And I, that is... I get it. Like, that, that verse doesn't grow a church to be a megachurch, right? Thousands of people are not going to come flocking to Radiant to hear that verse. People love the prosperity gospel, though. Like, God is going to give you a million dollars. In Jesus' name, money cometh, right? Come on, if you just pray this prayer, God's going to make you healthy and wealthy. Ah, ah. It's like, man, Radiant Church will be huge. This verse is just not popular, though. Americans love the prosperity gospel, and they, they love that message of God makes you healthy and wealthy and sexy and, you know, all those things, you know what I'm saying? God gives you a six-pack and all that stuff, right? Not of beer. I'm talking about your stomach area, okay? We love that message. But then we see the, 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 this verse... To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. And we're like, oh, remember in John chapter six? John chapter six, Jesus is preaching, and all of a sudden he starts preaching about, you know, those who follow me are going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everyone's like, whoa! And all the all the followers they, they start falling away from Jesus. All the people who were following him. Because he was popular, because he was doing all the great miracles, because the fish and the loaves and all that, all those cool things. They started walking away from Jesus. Jesus turns around to, I think it's Peter and John, those few guys who were his inner core, and he says, Are you gonna go too? Calls them straight out. Read it, John chapter 6. Go home and read it tonight. You gonna leave too? I think it's Peter who says, Where are we gonna go? You alone have the words of life. And they're like, we're sticking with you, man. All of his followers started falling away the closer Jesus got to where? The cross. The cross. So the question isn't for us today or this morning. The question isn't whether or not we will be persecuted at some point. The question rather is, have we successfully avoided persecution our entire lives because if we have perhaps we have a much bigger problem here's the, here's here's the deal in the end church no amount of PR work is going to rescue the church from being thought of by some in our world as what backwards irrelevant outdated bigoted, and hateful. No amount of PR work is going to rescue us from being called those things. Nowhere in the Gospels does Jesus promise that the world would love us and accept us if we just keep our head down, we live a quiet life, and we just try to love our neighbor. Nowhere does it say, Jesus never says, hey, if you just do those things, everyone will leave you alone. He doesn't promise that. You see, in our current cultural climate, I think many of you know this, but the definition of love has been changed. Did you know that? The definition of love has been changed. Here is the new definition of love. To love someone is to affirm all of who they are and what they do. Okay? To not affirm a person's behavior has now become what? Hatred. If you don't affirm me and everything I'm doing with my life and how I live and the decisions I've made and the choices that I've made, then you hate me. And the Christian says, no, 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 no. We, I don't hate you. I just, I, I can't affirm that lifestyle. I, I, I don't affirm those choices. The gospel says we're supposed to love everyone. That's absolutely true. We're supposed to love everyone, no matter what skin color, no matter what sexuality, no matter what choices they make, no matter who they sleep with on the weekends. We're supposed to love everyone. That's absolutely true. But the Bible never calls us to, it never calls us to affirm what? Their behaviors. In fact, if you just go to John chapter 8, John chapter 8 is a great example for you. John chapter 8, there's a prostitute, right? She's not living, obviously, in accordance with the way of God. Jesus steps in. The Pharisees want to stone her. So they have rocks. They're about to, you know, kill her. So Jesus comes and he says, hey, he looks at the Pharisees and says, hey, which one of you has not sinned? You can go ahead and cast the first stone. And the Pharisees, they, well, that's not them. They look around and what do they do? They put the stones down. Jesus goes to this woman. She's a prostitute. She's lived a life of sexual immorality, right? Not a godly life. We know that. Jesus says, hey, where are your accusers, right? She's like, nowhere. Either do I accuse you. But then Jesus doesn't just, at that point, Jesus doesn't just say, have a great day. I'll see you later. No, 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 no. Jesus says to the woman, go and leave your life of sin. never says, hey, what are you doing? No, no, no. He says, listen, I love you. I've come to take your sin upon the cross. In fact, I'm going to do that in a little while. But leave your life of sin. And we believe that the gospel, listen, here's what we believe. The gospel is true. The gospel is beautiful. And the gospel is good. That's what we believe about the gospel, that it's good for people. It's good for human flourishing. We don't walk around wagging our finger at people, you're evil, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. We don't do that. What do we do? We, we show how the gospel is better. It's better. It's true. It's beautiful. And it's good. But the definition of love has been changed. And if that way of thinking continues, listen, I'm pretty sure it will. We're guaranteed at at some point that we're going to be hated. There's going to be opposition. Now, let me just say this. On the flip side, we do need the humility to see where we've been obnoxious, okay? Where we've been unintelligent and where we have just been plain mean to people. Now, if we have been those things, then we need to what? Own up to it, right? And repent. But let me just say this. Let's not assume that bad press with the world means that we've done wrong by God, okay? Remember, Jesus himself, he was hated by the crowd and he was abandoned by his own disciples. Martyrdom is true. Martyrdom, giving your life for Jesus, is a special category set aside for some people. However, persecution, according to the New Testament, is a normal experience for every Christian everywhere. The idea is this. Is we have no idea. We have no idea when our, when our freedoms are going to be taken away from us. We have, this country, we have a, we've enjoyed freedom of religion, and that has been a blessing from the Lord. There is no country like the United States of America. We have our problems, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no country like the USA. We are incredibly blessed. But we have no idea when those liberties will be taken away from us. In fact, there's plenty of talk about that happening right now. And I know because I'm a pastor and I talk to other pastor friends of mine, right? Tax exemption will be taken away perhaps in the next year or two. We don't know. There's all sorts of things coming through the pipeline. We don't know when we're gonna have to go to a a foreign country that is persecuted. We have no idea when we're gonna have to take a stand Here, right in the the USA. We have no idea when that's going to happen. There'll be a moment, listen, where we will have to choose Jesus over everything else. And because of that, we'll be hated and we'll be persecuted. And so let me just leave you with this, church. Let me just leave you with this. We ought to suspect something is wrong with us if we go through our whole life and we, were, we have been successful at avoiding all persecution. We should be sus- suspect. Something might just be wrong with us. Because why? Because after all, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray together. And let's pray for the persecuted church as well, could we? Father in heaven, we love you and we thank you. And God, we we thank you right now for our liberties, for our freedoms, God. We don't take them for granted, Lord. We have no idea when they'll be taken from us, Lord. We're so blessed, God, that in this country we're able to meet together and not worry about an army with with uh, AK-47s or machine guns bursting through the door and slaughtering all of us, God. We don't have to worry about that. But God, our brothers and sisters around the world do worry about that. God, God, we pray for right now for our brothers and sisters in China under this communist regime, God, where Christians are hated and they're killed and they have to meet underground. God, we pray for the Christians in, in, in Afghanistan. We pray for Christians in Iran, God, who are have to practice their faith in secret, who don't have access to Bibles at times, who have pieces of the Bible uh, pieces of uh, pages ripped out that are stuffed in their pockets that they carry around with them, God. They've memorized verses because they can't even get a Bible, God. And here we are in the United States. We have Bibles everywhere and we don't even read them, God. God, forgive us for taking such liberties for granted, God. God, we have no idea, but God, what we do know is that our brothers and sisters right now around the globe are suffering for your name's sake, God. And one day, God, we will experience something similar. It may not be to the degree of what they experience, God, but we will be hated. We will be insulted. God, things will be said of us that are despicable. God, we, we will be marginalized, ostracized, and in that day, God, would you give us the courage to follow you. Lord, I pray for Radiant Church, these people right now. God, there's going to come a day where, where going to church is going to be hated. They're, they're, they're going to they're be afraid to go to church. God, I pray that you would give this body courage when that day comes, God. God, that they would be fearless. God, give me courage, God, that when my preaching is unpopular, when it's seen as hate speech, God, and I know that, that day is coming. I know it is, God. Give me courage, God, that I'll go to prison, God, for the gospel. God, give me courage in that day, God, that I'll give my life for Jesus. God, give me courage to be a man of God that would give my life for the gospel. God, we thank you. We pray for our brothers and sisters, God. Protect them. Bless them, God. And thank you, God. Even despite the persecution, we thank you that Matthew 16 is true, that the gates of hell will not prevail. And God, you will build your church. We cling to that promise, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said.